Groovaholics. Welcome to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Birthed by a love of music, we're all about culture. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. If you gain value from this podcast, personally share it with a friend and explain your favorite part. Let's get groovy. Groovy. That you're gone for the day But at night Well I know that you're still here
You just heard Moving Too Fast by a girl named Jenny. Singer-songwriter Ray Mahar of a girl named Jenny is my guest on the show. This conversation is amazing. Let's get right to it. You pretty much good to go, Ray? I, I think I'm doing good. Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready for all your uh, your zingers, all your all your hardest questions. Hit me. Oh, dude, let me tell you something though. I do not ask zingers. I had a politician on the show once. Yeah, and he's Mitch, like, right? yeah, Mitch, and he's like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna like ask these. Uh, got, I think he called it gotcha moments. Like people try to like catch them like with something yeah. scandal or something political, and I'm like, no, I. I'm honestly the absolute opposite. I just yeah. want to hear what you have to say, man. <laughs> if you if you ever have Mitch on again, just bash him about his basketball game. Um, I used to work with Mitch at Food Link when I first graduated from college and moved home. Um, he's a great dude. Um, and it's funny he's a politician because when you, you meet him, he's a very animated guy and he talks a lot about what he believes, but he's also just down to mess around and clown with you and just be who he is. Um, got a lot, a lot of love for Mitch Gruber. Yeah, I, I saw him on the show, too. It was good. Yeah, um, it's a few episodes back, and if anybody wants to check that out, uh, Mitch Gruber, he is anything but a politician in terms of who he is and his message, but just ended up ultimately wanting to make a difference and finding himself in a role here in Rochester. So that's the best politicians, right? The The ones that ultimately aren't trying to be a political politician as a career they just kind of fall into it because they see a need yeah mitch is a mastermind that's for sure (laughs) now i'm gonna keep that in but i want to give formal introduction here um welcome everyone to the rochester groovecast podcast your top source for live local regional music interviews and events from rochester new york and the surrounding area I am your host, Ben Albert, and I am excited. I am humbled. I have Ray Mahar here on the show of a girl named Jenny. And uh, how are we doing today, Ray? Rocking and rolling? Uh, rocking and rolling. I'm doing good. It was it was really funny. I hadn't picked up my guitar in the last couple of days before you called. And as before, we were kind of like sound checking levels. I was like messing around with some ditties that were in my head. Um, it cool. feels good to do things like this again um, because we've all been cooped up inside um, gives us things to look forward to. So I appreciate having me on the show and I appreciate you giving me a little juice in my, uh, my writing today. (laughs) Hey, hell yeah, man. It's, that's good to hear. And uh, you're cooped up over in a cabin. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing lately. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I, I luckily am in a cabin right now, but our, our property here is like 70 acres on a a new campground. Um, my, my day job is working for a summer camp called camp stomping ground that was founded by two of my best friends, um, about six years ago now. Um, and last March I was lucky enough to be asked to join them in their year round team, um, as kind of our lead fundraiser. I'm the community engagement director. Um, so I do fundraising and I do donor relations and things like that. Um, and unfortunately we weren't able to have summer camp this summer, so we don't have kids here, but, um, it's a new property that we're at and there's a lot of work to be done. And so I've been here with, um, a few volunteers the last three, four weeks working weed whacking every day. Today I got to learn how to use a chainsaw, which is a lot of fun. Um, 
get to be outside, which is a great plus. And we got a beautiful lake that we get to swim in, but, um, I definitely am excited to come back home to Rochester after these next couple of weeks and, um, get back into it and see all my friends and see all the people as much as I can, at least with everything that's going on. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, what's going on in Rochester? I correct me if I'm wrong. I think I saw an event pop up for a, a fundraiser, a girl named Jenny was running it. Am I completely wrong or, um, we've been running. So what our kind of quarantine project was the Jenny Thursdays thing that we did, which was every Thursday, one of us in the band or, sometimes a a guest host would kind of play an hour set, um, you know, theme it however we would want to do. And it started out being that we were just trying to, you know, make a little money for the band because all of our shows got canceled. But we then had a couple of the guys step up that wanted to do benefit shows. And so for about 13 weeks, we did shows raising money for different organizations in Rochester, like food link and yoga for a good hood. And, um, trying to think of some of the other ones, food, uh, food, not bombs, Rochester food, not bombs. I mean, a bunch of great places. Um, and we ended up raising like over $7,000, which is really cool. <sighs> wow. Yeah. O- over the course of 13 weeks and for different organizations, for different sure. levels, but that was the best thing for our headspace and where we were with music that we could do that. We don't have any coming up right now. Um, but it was great to do that for the last couple of weeks. And now actually the next thing that's up for us is we're going to play it three heads as part of the the series, the Sunday series that's coming out. So that's, that's kind of next in terms of the events for us. Cool. And yeah, I want to shout out three heads. I just saw the Sunday series today. I was looking into it. Um, they're doing outdoor shows, 10 tables, four person, a table. I think it's 45 a table and, um, every single show is going to sell out. So you do want to, look up three heads you want to send jeff dale an email all the information's there but a girl named jenny's playing honey smugglers eli flynn um dirty blanket every sunday they're doing socially distant shows out there what 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 date are you guys playing we're playing (laughs) we're playing july 26th so we're the we're the second band up i think dirty blanket is kicking it off um yeah this sunday yeah Cool. That'll be fun. So you, you'll be back in town soon. Um, what else is planned right now for a girl named Jenny? I know you've been on a little bit of a standstill. Uh, what has been happening during these past few weeks, these past few months now? It Time flew by, you know. What What is the past six months brought with the virus going on in your band? Yeah, we had to cancel a lot of shows. We, um, I'm trying to think back to the shows that were canceled. The big one was that we were going to go to New York city again in May. Um, and that got canceled, which was a huge bummer because we, we played at um, Rockwood music hall, which I know some folks know because it's, it's a great um, home for some traveling out of town artists, but we had to cancel that show. That was a huge bummer. We had to cancel a bunch of shows that were, were going to be fun and some other ones that were new territory for us. And um, that's, that was really hard. Um, doing the live stream shows was really fun and getting back and, and having a purpose and playing music again. But kind of the big project for us right now <clears throat> has been putting together our next record, um, which we recorded for a week in January and we didn't finish it, um, in that week, but it was a week of, of a lot of growth and a lot of expanding on ideas. Um, and it was funny. It was, it was about like three or four weeks into when COVID really hit at least our area um, and Cody Niver, Dylan's brother, who is our drummer um, is mixing it. And he did the first round of edits over uh, it's like a, it's more so like a gaming um, 
live stream service. I don't know, I can't remember what it's called. Um, but anyways, it's similar to Zoom, but you it's all, yeah, the, all Twitch. All Twitch. No, it wasn't Twitch. Oh. I don't know what it was. It started with huh. a D, maybe. Hmm. But either way, it was really cool. Uh, when when Cody mixed it the first time, like our last couple records, I didn't get to hear like the entire process, and I sat for all of Sunday for nine hours doing other things and just listening with my headphones. His whole like process of cutting things, which is cool. But that's hmm. next for us. As soon as you know, I'm home and we all feel comfortable about getting in the studio space again. Um, we're going to get in there and, and finish this record um, and make it great. That's, that's kind of the hope. Yeah. That's a, that's exciting. How much is hashed out then? You, you guys are pretty much, pretty much done with the songs already and you're just ready to record. Yeah. Well, all the songs, you know, have been written for a while. Um, we, we put all the first pass of them down. we, you know, I think when you go into the studio, you try things out a certain way and then you listen to it and it's not what you want. Um, we recorded one song in particular where it was like, well, we can't use that because it's not right. And we need to re-record the drums and the bass. And um, So, you know, we, we did a first pass of everything, but we got to add background vocals. We got to mix and master it more. We um, have to wholly, totally redo that one song. Um, yeah. It's a bunch of little stuff that has to happen. But this record is going to be really special for a lot of reasons. I think mainly just for the content and what's in it. Um, and I think it's a big departure for us in terms of it's a little bit more complex, not just with like the lyrics, but the instrumentation behind it. Um, it feels exciting. And in that we don't want to rush it just because the pandemic has us feeling frustrated, you know? <laughs> so taking our time um, with it and making sure we get it right. Yeah, let's let's dive a little bit deeper. You said it's a little more complex with the instrumentation, some of the content. What are some of the the differences and changes that we can look forward to? Yeah, well, I think everybody's gotten better at their instruments. Um, I think sign. I've gotten a lot better at my instrument, um, and I think you know when I the first batch of songs that we wrote on that EP, which was three years ago the the chords that i knew i knew like four chords on guitar you know i was self-taught as a guitar player um and i think playing with the guys for so long who are all such great musicians it pushes me as a writer to experiment with different things so i think <clears throat> there's a little bit more boldness in terms of not just playing things in the key of g like all folk music is <laughs> um but i think the lyrics too i think and the the content of what's in it we get a little bit more bold with where we're trying to go i think thematically there's a lot of songs that touch on a, a dichotomy of things of you know there's joy in songs as there as much as there is sadness and there's um, pain as much as there is redemption and addiction as much as there is separation and and distance and um finding that was really unique and i think you know a lot of times when people make a record it's like this one is going to be the one um, but i really truly think that in 15 years if we make more records this one is always going to stand out for those reasons i don't think it's always going to have this this substance to it um it's really scary to to show i think eventually when it does come out but it's gonna be really good i think that, that's powerful and my hope is always that you end up saying that with every new record that comes yeah. out it just continues to grow um that that dichotomy is an interesting thing you know taking people through a landscape of emotions um, what is the songwriting process look like? Are, are you the main singer songwriter? Is it a collective? What's it look like, you know, when, 
where you're ultimately in that practice room and hashing out these songs. Yeah, I'm I'm the you know quote unquote primary songwriter for the band. I I wrote most of the songs that have been released. Um, but you know the the one of the unique things I think about our band is that everybody does write just for their own projects. Sometimes I mean you know Steve Burke has written for the Honey Smugglers. Um, Zach Lajeski has contributed a couple songs for the Smugs. Brad, who's our banjo player, wrote a song on the last record. Um, so it, it's it's not solidified that I'm the only one that can bring songs to the table, but um, it's certainly I'm at the the helm of of steering where our, our ship is going. But Zach actually has a song that's going to be on this record um, cool. called Brother, um, and it fits. So the, the record's going to be called Family, um, and the song just fits so well mm-hmm. into the theme of things. Um, and, you know, I think Zach has a couple other songs in his belt, but I think when it makes sense, we kind of explore that. Um, you know, I think when it makes sense for Zach to give a song to the Honey Smugglers or a song to play with his jazz group, it makes sense. So definitely welcome other people into it. When we, you know, when I pitch an idea, we try and build on it as much as we can um, while still also letting it be as raw as it can be. Um, but it's fun. I, I think those, those opportunities are really unique. Um, I'm still begging Steve Burke to give us one of his songs, but mm. he's, uh, he's got like a whole library of unreleased hits. Um, he's quite the, the uh songwriter but yeah it's a it's a fun process to share and when it makes sense i think no that's awesome i um i like to imagine an onion i like to peel back the layers just a little bit more and more and i'm curious you know individually when you're writing a song where's the inspiration coming from are you you know mimicking another artist are you um, in an emotional state? Are you looking at it on a practical level? What is your songwriting process look like? And ultimately, what's the inspiration behind some of these tracks? Yeah. Um, well, my, my first word of the wise about songwriting, anybody that's looking to get into it, because I was in this boat at one point, there's definitely no one way to do it. Um, you know, typing in songwriting to, to YouTube and trying to hear a great you know, I was that kid trying to find a TED talk that was like, just tell me how to do it because I want to do it and I want to write great music. There's no one way. Um, for me, it's different every time. It's sometimes it's the guitar and the melody first. Sometimes it's the lyrics. Sometimes it's a story. Um, sometimes it's you, you get a three words in your head and then you have to go back a year later and make it happen. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's so different. I think what makes a great songwriter a great songwriter is being able to like take those moments and learn to be patient and learn to be frustrated and how to deal with that and, and all of those layers. But one thing I will say to that question, because I'm not just going to dodge it and say that there is an answer. <laughs> um, I, I think I had a great creative writing professor in college who said that writing comes from memory and imagination um, and that the experiences we remember, like how I grew up and what my parents did and my siblings and my neighbors and um, things, traumatic events for me and, and, successful events and happy events um that's all real but sometimes in these songs if that is a moment i'm i'm catching on i'll bend it some ways to make it more of a compelling story and i don't i don't think that's in a way of me being inauthentic but you know did did in this song that i'm singing about my neighbor did he really grab a bottle of whiskey and throw it on the side and it shattered like maybe but like, I think that's okay. And I think that great storytelling, we need to add in some of those elements that are act as great symbols and symbolism for things and metaphors and all that. So 
Um, you know, I think with this record, we're drawing on real experiences and, um, the way that we show those experiences and the way that we kind of um, bring to life these different moments that are really close to our hearts and our minds. um, That's what kind of makes is like the beauty of this record. So I don't know. Songwriting is a, is a beast for anybody that's doing it. It's really hard and it's really challenging. And it's also one of the most rewarding things you can do. Um, And I think for me, I, I go back and forth on where I lean some days, but that would be like my general ramble about it. (laughs) Yeah, you got to sometimes put a microscope on the moments and get into the minutiae and add a little exclamation points, maybe take some liberties to really get the point across. I hear that. Um, Is there any moments in songwriting or performing in general that, let's say good or bad, you know, moments that you ever just wanted to smash the guitar and walk out (laughs) or moments that... um, we're like, aha, this is, you know, this is a really fulfilling thing. Kind of looking at that dichotomy, has there been any super great moments or super frustrating or trying ones that you can, you can talk about? Yeah. We were just telling the story the other day, how we were in the studio in January and we were playing this song and it kind of has like a Latin beat behind it. Um, And I never studied Latin music, but I wrote the song somehow. Um, And (laughs) Yeah, it's really wild. But we were we had to play this song and um you know, we're we're pretty frank and transparent with each other in the studio and I could tell Cody's face looked a little hesitant about where the song was going and I kind of asked him like what's what's up? What are you thinking? And he was like, I don't know if you can play this song. Like I don't know if your ability on the guitar is like gonna match up. Um, which is like, you know, shit, man. That's pretty hard to hear. And um but I think that going through that experience of staying up until two in the morning with Cody playing the same track dozens of times. Um, that's going to be something I really remember when I listened to that song. Um, so I definitely was frustrated. And to your point about the dichotomy of that moment, like I was really frustrated and it was really hard and it showed a lot of my weak spots as like a player and, and my weak spots as like a band leader. And, um, you know, it gave us uh, a time when we said, okay, if we, if we want to pull this off, we need to put in triple the amount of work and, and we did it. So that it, it definitely happens. I mean, it's not, it's not always sunshine and rainbows and, um, you know, bands having disagreements happens, I think more often than we think. And the studio is one place where that definitely happens and definitely shines because you're trapped in like a room that's, you know, however big is this cabin and you want to bite each other's heads off at some point and that's the way it can be. But yeah, I remember that for sure. There's definitely moments like that and and figuring out how best you kind of push ahead with that, you know? Absolutely. No, that's powerful. And, um, looking at the really grand fulfilling moments, any festivals or shows or co-bills or events or venues or locations, anything that comes to mind, maybe one, two, as many as you want as, real just mind-boggling moments where you just felt like this makes sense this is why i'm doing music this is working any that ever happened to you oh man the last tour we went on like big tour when we went out west last october we went it was first time we ever gone out west um and we were going for like a two-week stint and we were going to play in a bunch of different states that we'd never been and playing in Bozeman, Montana, we all still talk about it to this day. It was one of our top five favorite shows ever. It was wild. We we were in um, 
Billings, Montana. And the venue promoter called us and was like, we, we weren't supposed to headline. It was us. It was a, a band from like Missouri, us, and then a local Bozeman band. And the guy called and he was like, hey, the gin strings are stuck in a snowstorm. So you're headlining. And we were like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then we got there and the place was like almost sold out. And the headliner was gone. And it was like, okay, this is kind of like our room now. And Bozeman people are so fun. Um, and the room was packed. I mean, it was like, it was like what Flower City feels like when everybody is just like packed person to person, you know? Um, and the energy was great and the songs were great. And we played like a, uh, our set was only like an hour long, which like for any performer, I mean, unless you're the dead, an hour is just like a beautiful set length because you just get to like rip it real quick, you know? Um, it was so fun. And I remember getting off the stage and talking with the guys and being like, this was, if we could do this, you know, in other States like this every night, this would be it. This would be what we want to do. Um, and I remember that, that evening real, real well. Um, so fun, but you said co-bills too. And to this day, my, my favorite co-bill that we were on was when we played and they're good friends of ours. Now is the band upstate. Um, mm. love them so much. So if for some reason they see this, Still my favorite co-bill, Upstate. Would gladly do it again. Um, that band is amazing. But uh, those those moments stick out for me, those those two. Dude, it's I'm so happy you brought them up because I, I know one of the gals in Upstate's from Webster, I think. She's a Rochester native. But that's beside the point. Those guys are incredible. So as soon as I get off here, I'm sending them a DM and trying to get them on because <laughs> – they're they're great they're great um three ladies with great vocal harmonies uh stripped down style guitar cajon mandolin they're fun man where where was that show was that was that flower city station we did two shows with them we did the first one in buffalo we opened for him um at buffalo ironworks and then i think it was abilene um we we bounced around to a couple of different venues and, you know, we called Danny and we were like, Hey, our bands really want to play together. They're on this little tour. Um, your room might be really packed, but can we do it? <laughs> go in. Well, it was crazy. Cause like, you know, we're opening for upstate in our hometown and we already like when we play Abilene, that's the case. I mean, and I'm, I'm not going to Abilene's amazing for that reason that you can have these shows like that in there. But, um, you know, we thought it was going to be crazy. We were like, 150 people cramming in here for the, for the, for this band, especially who's like regionally touring and opening for the Wood Brothers and Lake Street Dive and other bands like that. Um, it's pretty cool. So they're, they're amazing. I, I, I know they're doing well and they're trying to figure out what's next for them too, but definitely wish them the best. They're awesome. Yeah. And shout out to Abilene's. It seems like they have a special way of bringing in bands that are too big for the room. But they pull it off. It, it has this uh, charm to it, um, which is always great. I um I want to talk a little bit more about what's coming up in the future, some other stuff. But let's break this up and play a track so people can hear a little bit about what we're talking about here. Cool. I know we don't have anything from the new album yet, um, but yeah. how does uh, Annabelle so- sound? Do you play Annabelle? Yeah, that sounds great. It looks like, it looks like we're in. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, Phil Glass here live on the Zoom call. We've got plenty of people watching live on Facebook. Um, I'm going to pop this up, and we'll listen to Annabelle by a girl named Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> 
day I left Chicago Blue Darling, I was dreaming of you Dreamt too much I got scared My heart was just not prepared Not sure how long I'll be gone, but just in case, please mow the lawn. If mail comes, just throw it away. My car declined yesterday. And the flowers They'll need water But not the lilies No Don't even bother Just give those jobs To our kids I left a list Next to the fridge I swear I'll fix it when I get back But the truth Annabelle Annabelle You know my secrets All too well Times of joy And times of hell I'm a broken man Can't you tell Neighbors ask It's a business trip Give old Chuck The classic slip I won't be long A week or two The quiet time Will be strangely new When did our lives become so mundane? Every day the list is just the same. Pack their lunches, pay their bills. Time will pass, I'll throw it all in the will.
Rochester Groovecast podcast. Head over to Facebook, like Rochester Groovecast, and mark our page as C first to keep in touch with everything new. Now back to the show. That's what's up. Cool. I got goose. I got goosebumps, man. <laughs> I haven't listened to that song in a while. That's it's fun. You heard that one before? Yeah, I've heard it before. <laughs> it, it's funny. Like I, I've been listening to only like the demos from our. Not only, obviously, I'm listening to so much other music, but of our music, only been listening to the demos, and so it's funny to hear the songs again and be like, "Oh my god, it's wild how we did that, like that, and that, like that." It's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Uh, and while we were listening there, I popped on Facebook. There's 40 million people viewing right now. I think the only people not viewing is a, a small family in Somalia. We've got a, a big audience. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> uh, but 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 anyways, um, Annabelle, let's let's talk a little bit about that song. There's a lot of content there. Um, quite the story, and I'm curious if it is a true story about your life or. Well, what the inspiration behind it is and, and just a little bit more about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it goes back to that thing I said about memory and imagination. I, you know, I'm that song. There's a, there's a pretty big narrative in there about, you know, obviously there's two people that care the world for each other. And then there's, there's a separation going on and I've never been, you know, I've never been married. I've never been separated from somebody. I've never had a kid. Um, but I've, you know, I've had friends, parents go through divorce. I've seen friends go through horrible breakups. Um, you know, I've seen divorce happen face value. And, um, I think something for me when that song was written was the idea of, of getting close to somebody or something gave me a lot of fear and hesitation. And in that fear kind of crafted this story of, of, the song and what it means and um the fear of that you know the example here is love can happen and kids can happen and everything's great but really what's so painful is the two falling out of love and what that looks like and it's not just um you know 
someone slamming a door and saying, I don't love you anymore. Like you see in the movies, it's, it's slower and it's more subtle. Um, and it's really hard. So that song tries to touch on it with some of the things that's, that's being said, but you know, the idea that, um, your, your kids are coming home from school and it doesn't give you the same, uh, buzz that it does, or, um, you know, you're turning, you're getting older and you're starting to lose the, the juice or, um, you know, I just left a note and I didn't even say anything to you and I don't tell you what you mean to me anymore. It's, it's I think when I read love stories that are really heartbreaking, it's more that than it is something mm-hmm. dramatic and, and romantic and that or, or anti-romantic or whatever it would be. So that song tries to capture it a little bit, but I think what's really interesting about it is I will probably sing that song at some point when I am older and I think I'll have a totally different opinion about it and what it means to me at least. Um, but for now, that's kind of what it, 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 where it came from. It was seeing all these experiences and, and what would it be like if I went through that kind of thing? I don't know. It's interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's very realistic focusing on the subtleties of a relationship or of romance and the reality behind it. Um, shoot. You've got me thinking, you know, there's there's a lot of just micro experiences and small friendships and family relationships that it's ne- you're never yelling at each other per se. But there's these little things that kind of have a symbolic value that grow into something bigger. So I, I see where you're going with that. I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, when Why are you writing songs like that? <laughs> Jeff Dale asked me that too. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think my my favorite artists that I have and love and and have watched for years are artists that bring um can can play a show and and have you laughing and dancing and having the best time in the world and it's really upbeat and fun. And in the second they can bring it really down to earth and it can be really sentimental and intimate and heartfelt and heartbreaking and all of that. And so with the songs that I write and the music that I'm doing, I think it's a reflection of that a lot of times. And, um, you know, I, I'm a guy with a lot of feelings, I guess. (laughs) And, you know, I think it's really real. I think people are drawn to a music that is honest and that speaks to them. Um, and you know, that doesn't mean that my, our music, a girl named Jenny's music is always going to be the best representation of that. But I think it's something that we strive for. Um, and so, I don't know, you know, I, I definitely don't sit down and go, this one's going to be about divorce. This one's going to be about separation or death, but you know, those are things that happen to everybody to Mm -hmm. to not have songs about them in the world would be a disservice to humankind, you know? And so I think those songs will come about as much as the songs that come about from me accidentally drinking too much whiskey one night and making a fool of myself. You know what I mean? Like that's... (laughs) That is, th- those are things that I, I write about things that happen to me. Um, and I think other people do that too. And I think that that form of expression is, is contagious a little bit. Yeah. It's a, it's a transfer of energy. They, they always say, you know, if you're true to yourself, not everyone's going to love it, but you're going to find your tribe. You're going to find people that resonate with your message. So um, I appreciate that. I'm curious if you were to, Let's say you were to gift someone an album or you're the one giving the gift. You can send them a three, five, as many as you want. 
what what albums would you recommend or would you give to someone as things that you're either listening to right now or you're just like just always love the you know you think it's a staple in the music community yeah um that's such an interesting way to put it like your favorite not your favorite albums but ones you would give to people well, the reason I ask that is because there's a difference between just enjoying an album and putting it on at a party and something that, okay, I'm going to give this as a gift. Yeah. Like, it's a different transfer. Um, well, I think this one doubles down as one of my favorite records of all time and one I would just give to people. But um, Emotionalism by the Avid Brothers is what I grew up, not grew up on, but musically when I was starting to learn guitar and write, I was listening to that record so much. Um, and I, first time I went to Red Rocks, they played that record straight through, which was so special. Um, yeah, it was wild. And so that record means so much to me for all of the reasons I love it so much. But, um, another record that I think I would give to people that it was given to me. So I think of it in this way um, because Brian McDonald gifted me this record um, is, Oh man, I actually don't know the right name of it, but the milkweed record um, that has night flowers and drunk fish. All of those songs are so good. Um, and so I think it would, it would have matter with my intent of the gift. Am I giving somebody this gift that, um, mm. you know, I'm trying to say uh, like, here's already this well-established band and like you should listen to them because they are so good and here's why they're so good or is it like hey here's a gift because i know you love exploring new music this band fucking rocks um because milkweed is amazing and i anytime we play with those guys i'm like you should be famous so i'm glad that you're just playing in flower city with us because you guys are amazing um, I'm, lo I'm looking this up real quick just so we can drop the name drop the album i think it might be called night flowers yeah i can't remember it i like again i it was never a record that I bought on like iTunes or Spotify because Brian gave it to me. And then it sat in my car as the one CD for that entire summer. It was like 2017. And I knew all the songs by word for word. And it was so good. Um, Dude, it's, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, the, the album's called dream of an American family. Um, oh, it's got yeah. <laughs> Zephyr, Family Tree, Drunk Fish, Night Flowers. Everything's on that album. Drunk and um, shout out to Milkweed. That yeah. you're, I agree a thousand percent. They're incredible. I talk about them all the time. I I even recall. Um, shout out to the Rochester Livestream Music Festival that came out with Greenstream, Matt Raymerman, like right when the quarantine started, like three days of literally like 10 to 15 musicians a day live streaming, maybe even more. Um, and I remember you played a milkweed track and I was like, yeah. yes, <laughs> dude. I, yeah, I was, I was trying to finally learn drunk fish. That's another one of my favorite ones. Um, their songs talk about like, why do you write songs like that? Their, their songs it's called drunk fish and it's not what you're expecting at all, but it breaks my heart when I listen to that song. Um, they're a band that does that to me too. So I love that tune. Night Flowers is the song I will go the hardest to at any uh, Flower City show. It was so fun. I love their stuff. Powerful. Yeah. Um, a lot of good folk singer-songwriters, real raw musicians out there. Um, I'm, I'm wondering in terms of your experience from birth to now, 
I always think in my head, why music? And it's such an easy answer. Why music? Why not music? But like, what brought you into music? Was it a family member? Was it a band? Were you just trying to look cool for the girls? What got you started with music? And what what inspires you to do what you do? Yeah. Um, well, I, from a long time I can remember, I was singing, you know, in choir more loudly than some of the other people. I liked it. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, my, my two sisters sing and they were always singing around the house and my mom sings when she's doing whatever around the house. And um, so that was there. But I think that my my entrance into like playing music I remember I wanted a drum set for so long um, and my parents said, no, they were like, you're not just going to bang on all of that for however long you're going to at night. Um, and my sister Kate had a $60 Fender acoustic guitar that she never touched. And they were like, you could play that. And I was like, fine. And I would go to my bedroom and try and learn G, C and D for like four years. That was like from freshman year to senior year, all I was trying to play was good riddance by green day. Um, and <laughs> finally I got to it, but I think, um, I, I don't remember exactly when I wrote the first song that I did. Um, but I knew when I, when it happened, I was like, that feels amazing. If anything, not to go out into the world and start a band, but for me in like the terms of like express and the, the, not the terms, but the type of expression I need, um, to vent about certain things, this feels really good. And really, I want to keep doing it, but Interestingly enough, the thing that brought me into the live music scene um, was seeing, and you know, everyone tells like the Facebook stories around this time, but I was saw that Steve Burke, my old camp counselor, which I don't know if a lot of people know, Steve Burke was my camp counselor around 12 years old, which is really funny. Um, he was in a band, he was playing upright bass. And so I, I shot him a message and I was like, hey, um, your band looks great. He was in the Honey Smellers, obviously. And um, I was like, I have a few songs. I just want to like see if they make sense for like a band. Um, and then the first time that we played a show, I knew that that's what just I wanted to chase that. It felt amazing. Um, so I, I don't know. To long story short, I guess it's a it's a whole chain of events that you know you're singing around your house one day to then learning the guitar to then you get the chance to play live, whether it's at an open mic or because you have a mutual friend or whatnot. But um, I think. Mainly for me, it's the feeling of playing live and the feeling of connecting with people that I don't know and people I do know and sharing those moments that I love so much and I love sharing with other bands that I care about. Um, being able to provide that is, if, if we can, we don't always do, <laughs> but if we do, that's that's the biggest thing for me, I think. It's exciting. And, um, you know, keep doing what you're doing. It's It's amazing music. Obviously, people are receptive and love it as well. Um, let's think big, let's think imaginative. You, you can be creative. What, what's going to happen in the future? Where would you like to play? Who would you like to play with? What would you like to do? Any, um, uh, they can be as big goals as you want them to be, you know, uh, anything for the future for a girl named Jenny in your, your music? Well, one day we're going to play Red Rocks. That's mm. the, that's the dream, right? <laughs> no, I yeah. think you know, next for us is doing this record. And I think, um, there's, there's some festivals that we were going to play this year. We're supposed to play. Um, well, actually, I don't know if I'm supposed to say the one because they haven't really announced their lineup, but mm. supposed to play some lineups, um, and festivals that 
are pretty well known in the area. Um, and I think for us, it's a big next step in this region is, you know, getting on bills like grassroots or getting on bills like um, Cobblestone Live or getting on bills like uh, uh, Jazz Fest, some things like that would love to do. Um, and obviously, if they line up that we play with some bands that we really care about, you know, like if if we were on a festival bill with Danielle Ponder, that would be really, really cool. You know, I'm a huge fan of Danielle. Um, I think she's amazing. I think getting to open for Giant Panda a couple of years ago was a crazy experience. Like I, I think about some bands that we haven't connected with that we are closer to. I mean, obviously I would love to open for the Avid brothers, but you know, playing, playing grassroots, you know, the slot before driftwood plays would be like an amazing feeling, right? Like they're, they're grassroots famous mm -hmm. um, and they're amazing and their band is amazing. And um, I think that for us is starting to be more attainable. And then, you know, Red Rocks is, is down the road. We play Red Rocks, maybe Upstate opens for us. We bring them back. Maybe Red Rocks, Upstate, and Milkweed. There it is. Book it right now. <laughs> Red Rocks, Milkweed, Upstate, Driftwood. I want to throw Driftwood in there. <laughs> yeah, Gunning, the Honey can come too. Our guys, our guys can make double. That'd be great. <laughs> I, um, I'm a big grassroots nerd, and I just want to shout out a couple things. Um. First off, you mentioned Driftwood, their grassroots famous, and I don't know if you know this story. It's one of my favorite, but it had to have been about 10 to 12 years ago. I don't have the exact year pinpointed, but Driftwood won the grassroots band competition. Yeah. And ultimately, when you win the grassroots band competition, you earn yourself a bill on the upcoming or the following festival. So you win it at this grassroots, next fest, uh, next grassroots, you're guaranteed a bill. And to my understanding, they won the competition. And I don't know if they've played every year, but they virtually have played every single year for 10 years straight. And now they're headlining the festival, you know, playing the, the grandstand stage late night. And that's, you know, that's the dream, right? You win the small time band competition that goes on at 10 in the morning when a lot of people aren't even awake because it's Saturday and everybody stayed up too late. And then before you know it, you're headlining the festival. And to chain on to that, I want to mention, I don't know if you've seen this or not yet, or anyone listening, I'll put a link in the show notes uh, and I'll send this to you afterwards. Um, Grassroots is putting on a live stream festival in replace of the festival itself. Um, I forget the dates. It's always the third Thursday of July. So it's this Thursday through Sunday. And um, ultimately, and this podcast is going to come out Thursday morning, but they're live streaming like 20 to 30 artists a day um from previous festivals up in like to the 90s to now like rusted root everyone imaginable really um live stream music festival and the reason i'm bringing this up i was talking to max flansberg about it the other day because he just put out a solo track which is super great yeah. um i don't know if it's too late but the grassroots band competition has went virtual um, so they have a link that if you're interested, you can actually submit a track of your band to the grassroots band competition, get played on the live stream festival, and maybe, 
maybe win yourself a bill on grassroots for next season if we're all opened up. So that's my ramble on grassroots. <laughs> I, I think if it's not too late, uh, it's worth giving them a send. Yes, sure. In the very least, even if you don't win, you can start, you know, planting some seeds, brother. So uh, when they start officially booking for next year, do, do you do you think we're going to be good to go for next season? What what's going on with music? I'm happy that we're kind of opening up at a socially distant, limited capacity, sitting down thing, and we need to do that for safety. Yeah. Um, do you think that this is going to end soon uh, everybody wants to see live music and stand around and actually di- you know what i mean yeah what, what's I mean, going on man i i wish and i hope so um but i think what this thing has proven is that you know none of us know what's coming next um and so certainly i would love for there to for it to be there in the summer you know i've read articles that said live music won't come back until fall of 2021 you know there's that big one that was rolling around from the i think it was the rolling stone or something like that so do I hope and wish for it? Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I don't even know what the fall will look like right now. I think there's a lot of trends you're seeing in the, the West, the West of the United States and things happening um, abroad right now um, that I'm not sure about. I am hopeful that the summer next year, even if we're not able to gather for like big festivals that small venues will be able to be relatively normal. Um, you know, I think that would be like a reasonable thing that, you know, we can't have Bonnaroo, but we can have a show at flower city with however many people are going to come. Um, I think we might be close to that, but I, I don't know, you know, like there's, there's no plans right now for this thing. I think that's what's proven it to be one of the more wild experiences of our generation is that, there's, there's nobody coming up and going, here's the date where it's all going to be fine again. Here are the, here are the like six things we have to do, you know, like there's the recommended stuff and there's like the ideal date, but that's just like, that's just the nature of this thing right now. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's the, the million dollar question. I don't think anyone seems to have an answer. There's people that are assertive and seem to think they know the answer, but yeah. they could say something today and be wrong a week from today. So yes, agreed. <laughs> what um how has that changed you know your role with music and your thoughts on you know have you done live streams has the band chatted virtually has it forced you to not play as much as you'd like to how has that affected your career um you know we had to cancel a lot of shows um yeah. but i think that the the guys in the band are kind of all in different stages right now too and in life and where they're at steve burke just had a kid which is amazing oh i had Um, no honestly i didn't know congrats steve steve burke had a kid her name's ruby and she's beautiful um so he's doing that and brad has his own uh chiropractic business and and you know everybody's a part of so many different musical projects that they're in um so you know it's it's interesting having this pause because everyone kind of gets to reflect on like what they want and where they want to go with the band and what we're all doing. Um, but the, the, really, again, the next big thing for us is just getting this record made. Um, we'll play shows again when we can and when we feel it's safe too. And like, we're going to play the show at three heads, but um, the priority for us is just getting this record out and getting it done and getting it done. Right. Yeah. We're excited for it. Um, obviously it's going to be a great record and 
in terms of social media website, what's the best way for people to keep in touch with everything you do? Um, Instagram, Facebook, as always a girl named Jenny, um, four words, each word capitalized. Um, we have a website, a girl named Jenny.com. When we're allowed to tour again, you can see our tour dates there. Um, we just got, and I, I'm going to post these sometime this week. We just got new hoodies as a Mm -hmm. merch item. So, um, that's not really how you can stay in touch with us, but that's how you can um, stay warm and comfy wearing some great merch. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, just all, all the normal stuff, you know, website and and social media, and hopefully we can keep you posted with what's coming next for us. Absolutely. And, and everyone listening, watching, listening five years from now, 10 years from now in the timeshare that I'm putting together for this podcast, um, you got to go check out Ray and a girl named Jenny. We're only playing a couple tracks on the podcast today. Um, so you got to dive into the whole catalog and r- really uh, enjoy the hell out of it. I um, I ask every guest one question and seriously, no wrong answers. It, I call it the billboard question. And just imagine if you had the ability to control a billboard very busy road everybody's gonna see it young old all races all genders all religions you have the opportunity it's it's more than an opportunity it's almost like a a burden it's scary because you have the control of this billboard you can put on anything you want some people like to put on a promotion for their band i love the i love the promotion i think that uh Honestly, I might do the same thing. Um, other people like to put on a photo or a quote or something they've written. But ultimately, you control that billboard and you can put anything you want on it to send a message to the entire world other than that small family in Somalia that doesn't know about the podcast yet. Um, what would you put on that billboard and why? Oh, one billboard? Um Hmm. I wish I had like a good catchphrase. I don't know if I really do. Um, you know, I would probably do. Uh, <laughs> wow. All right, here's the line. Give me a, a sausage, sausage, egg, and cheese every day for the rest of my life, and I'll be happy. Um, and then on the back of it is is uh, a restaurant that is my favorite restaurant that serves the sausage, egg, and cheese. Um, and then people can go get uh, breakfast sandwiches there um, <laughs> because I love breakfast sandwiches, and I don't have anything great or philosophical to say right now. But I think – that would be uh, that, that's where my head was at the other day. Um, and shout out to Scott's, which is not open anymore at the public market. But if they were listening to this podcast and heard that, you would be on the back of that billboard because you had the best breakfast sandwich in all of Rochester. So please come back. It was amazing. That's what I would say. <laughs> Listen, I, I appreciate that because we were talking about it a little bit before with the songwriting you know, talking about the simple things that might seem mundane and it's not the made-for-TV moment. But, I mean, if a sausage, egg, and cheese makes you happy, then a sausage, egg, and cheese makes you happy. 
Here it is, baby. <laughs> Boom, mic drop. I'll walk out the studio. <laughs> again for listening to the show guys Uh, here is one more track by a girl named jenny this is apple of your eye talk soon
goes like listening to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. Share this with a friend and tell them exactly why they should listen. And don't forget to keep it groovy, baby.